0: Hi, I'm Ryan Nostraillato, and this is Donuts in the Lounge, a podcast for educators. I've worked in public schools since 2001 as a school psychologist and as an administrator, and I've met a lot of educators over the years. They all have one thing in common. They want to create the best possible experience they can for students. But the truth is, that means something different to everyone, and there are some challenges along the way. And I'll be the first to say... We don't always have the solutions, but we definitely have each other and a chance to talk about our reality. Season one of Donuts in the Lounge is focused on how we use data in schools. Many of these stories are in a book I wrote, the K-12 Educator's Data Guidebook, Reimagining Practical Data Use in Schools. And if you join my email list, you'll get a discount code for 20% off the book, plus other free resources like podcast episode summaries. These are just for my email list, friends, as a thank you, because, you know, got a good thing going on over there. So sign up at rianastriado.com. Hey everybody, Ryan Astriado here. In this episode, I get to hang out with a teacher named Megan, who asked me to withhold her last name, so I'm just going to call her Megan. And she was one of the first teachers that I talked to while researching for my new book, The K-12 Educators Data Guidebook. I really like Megan's story because she's somebody who's motivated to refine her skills. In other words, the challenge to improve drives her craft forward, and I just think that's really inspiring. She even has a surprise plot twist in her career journey that we talk about, but I'll let you listen to the episode to find out what that is. When I interviewed Megan for the book, I wanted to know what resources teachers liked, and when I asked her, she immediately ran off camera to go get a book. And the book that Megan came back with and showed me would influence how I wrote the K-12 Educator's Data Guidebook. More specifically, her relationship with the book influenced me. And that's because I saw how much a book that was practical could fit into the toolkit of a highly motivated teacher like Megan. Okay, so listen on to find out what Megan's favorite book is, plus a whole lot of practical data tips directly from a teacher in the field. If you're listening to this as supplementary material for the K-12 Educator's Data Guidebook, I think this episode goes great with Chapter 4, which is called Time is the Problem. I wrote about Megan's story in that chapter, and also Chapter 10, which is called Practical is Personal. All right, enough from me. Grab a coffee and your favorite donut, and let's get into it. Hi Megan, how are you doing?
1: Hi Ryan, I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for for doing. It. We have been trying to uh, to do this for a while, and I'm glad that that we uh, we're doing it now.
1: <laughs> I know. I agree. We've had to postpone, but I've been looking forward to it, um, especially once I saw like some of the things you wanted to talk about. So
0: I know. I have been looking forward to it too. Um, Okay. So I've got this new question. This is going to be episode five. If I got my timing right. And I have this new question that I've been, I've been doing. I started it the last episode, this uh, podcast, as you know, is called donuts in the lounge. And so I have to ask, Okay, do you have a favorite donut?
1: <laughs> okay. This is a funny question. I'm actually not really a donut person, okay. um, but if there are donuts in the lounge, I probably will eat one. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we're being honest, I, um, I kind of like more like cake-like donuts that aren't like the super airy donuts, I guess. Or, um, I like those old fashioned donuts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The cake ones that take like, are those different, those are different from crullers, right?
1: I like the crullers are different and I like, yeah, they're like a denser texture kind of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a donut that I'm not saying is the same as like a hostess donut, but is, but is that kind that style of donut? It would be
1: in that family. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Cool. All right. Uh, do you have coffee with your donuts when you do choose to have them?
1: If it's decaf, yes.
0: You do. Okay. All right. Decaf, decaf person. All right. Well, now, now, yeah. I know next time, uh, if uh, if I ever have the uh, privilege of meeting you in person, we'll we'll have decaf and cake donuts. Excellent. All right. All right. Yeah. We have a lot to talk about. You uh, had uh, you were one of the first interviews that i did as research for the book my book that just came out the k-12 educators data guidebook and i've got a ton that uh i want to ask you and i'd love for the listeners to uh to hear your story and so i should start at the beginning and ask you what and i know that like we've got just like twists and turns and stuff in your career Mm -hmm. that i want to explore i think it'd be really fun so we'll get to that a little further later but uh but first what made you want to become a teacher
1: i think a few things like i think my whole life i've always loved learning like, I consider myself a lifelong learner. I've always loved learning um, just, like, for my own pleasure. And I think um, education is always just, like, a strong value of mine. I think it was, like, a big value in my family. Um, and so I think that stuck with me. And then when I graduated from college, like, I graduated in 2009. It was, like, a recession. So um, I think looking around, I I kind of wasn't really sure what I wanted to, to, to do. I thought about teaching as an option and I thought about other things and I just kind of felt like looking around, I felt like, okay, this is like a good opportunity. Um, I felt like I wanted to do something kind of like positive and, and meaningful and do something to kind of like give back or try to just, yeah, do something like positive and have a positive impact in in the community or in, in other people's lives. Um, and so I thought, you know, let me like try it and see Um, like it's definitely like a stable career and, um, yeah. So then like, once I got into it, I just kind of, I did like it. And like, in a way I kind of felt like I was like addicted to the challenge, you know, like it takes a couple of years to become a a good teacher. And so I kept, I I was like, I just kept wanting to, you know, get better and stuff. Um, And I think also it was important to me when I was in high school, I had like a couple of rough years and I feel like um, there was a teacher who really like helped me a lot. And it wasn't even that I necessarily like talked to her about like all my personal, like, you know, issues or whatever, but I think there was still just like a connection or having that like, kind of support, um, I think can be like a valuable thing. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of why I, why I got into it.
0: I love that you said that you were addicted to the challenge, like that phrase yeah. immediately resonated <laughs> to me. Like, I, th- I think I know what you mean, but I'd love to hear more what you th- what you meant by that.
1: Okay. So I'm someone who, I care a lot about like the work that I do. And I think I want to always do like my best quality work or like take pride in my work. Sometimes I could be a perfectionist, which is kind of <laughs> the bad side of that. But the good side is I do, I do care a lot about what I do. And I think because of that in teaching, like the first couple of years of teaching, especially I was like, I felt like I was learning and I felt like, okay, like I'm like, okay, but <laughs> I feel like I have to like get better, you know? And like, I want to be able to give more and really be like great. And so um I just felt like you know there's so much more to learn and and it was like I started to get like the hang of certain things but then I kind of also saw like how I don't know I guess I saw like some really like masterful teachers and was also kind of like inspired by that you know and like watching them and um it was interesting to me too just how um you could see different um educators have like a different style but you know, two that maybe have like a totally different kind of like style, but they're both like excellent. And So I I think I kind of wanted to also like develop that for myself too and kind of figure out like, okay, you know, I'm taking all these things, I'm learning, I'm trying all these things, but also like there's a part of it that's you too. There's kind of like a creativity. And so I wanted to um, kind of like develop that. And I think also, so I mostly have done like um, resource room for special ed and so with that it's also like you work with students over multiple years a lot of times and it was interesting because I saw um in in some cases you know so I guess there was one school I worked at for like at five years I started like three years in my career and like um that school I took over from someone who kind of like wasn't really doing their their job. Like um to be to be honest, they were literally like a hoarder in the classroom. And it was just insane. And and there was nothing going on, right? Like literally nothing. And so, you know, um I think like I saw the impact of that the first year where I was like, okay, these kids are like leaving this school year. Like, you know, c- coming in the next year, like everyone's reading level was higher than like where you know, the baseline was the year before. And so I just kind of saw like that progress and, and the growth and just like with different, um, students and stuff too, in the school. Um, so I think I wanted to keep like building on that and, and just, um, growing. And I think I liked also like the collaboration at that point where I was working, I liked the collaboration with like my colleagues and the, you know, I feel like I really believed in like the, um, of like community and school culture there and so i think i wanted to really like be a part of that and really contribute to that
0: i love what you said earlier that you were observing that there were some teachers that you really respected and one of the things you noticed was they all had like a different style and that made you want (laughs) to like find your own style and i really like that um it's something it's a feeling i relate to desire I, i relate to And I want to know if you learned, if finding your own style was like a thing you can intentionally make happen, or is it something that you just, that kind of has to find you instead? Like, what has been your experience with that?
1: I say for me, it's more like, it just kind of happens organically over time. Like, I don't think, I wasn't thinking back at the time. I wasn't thinking I need to find my own style. Like, and I think it's only kind of in retrospect, looking back, um, you know, from like further, (laughs) Like that would be maybe that point would have been like 10 years ago now maybe through 11 yeah so you know looking back like over that time frame now I can kind of like see that and understand that experience um that way but but you know it's kind of like when you're learning anything like say like I don't know I like to cook so you are learning cooking it's like when you first start you, you probably are just like following the recipe exactly because you don't really know you know what to what to do and then you know you get familiar with it and then you start kind of like maybe playing with it and adding your own things and like you know if you kind of like other things, you want to add them, or maybe you want to like take some shortcuts because you realize some of the steps are unnecessary, um, and just put your own spin on it. And so I think it's kind of like that, like anytime you learn something new, you know, you start by kind of like copying or imitating or just kind of like following the rules. And then you, you know, as you get more comfortable, you kind of like, play with it more. And and that's kind of also where the fun is. Like, I think in terms of creativity, I'm not really like an artistic kind of creative person, but I think I'm creative. I like creativity in terms of like maybe playing with ideas or just like problem solving. And I think that was, that's something about teaching that I really enjoyed, like that element of it. And there's not, it's also kind of like very open-ended because there's not just like one single right way, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. I really love that. That's, that's cool. I like if, so you were saying that was about 10 years ago or so, do you feel like you were far along enough in the process that you began to see what your style actually was? And if so, like, do you have a way that you describe that to other people?
1: Oh, I think I didn't really see that until maybe like a couple years later. (laughs) Beyond there, probably until I've been teaching for about, like, over five years, maybe. I don't know. Um, How would I describe it? Um, Okay. I think I'm very, like, I am very structured and data-driven and, like, analytical. Um, And I think um, I am someone who's very, like, I would say, like, clear and consistent. And I'm, I'm not kind of, like, a warm and fuzzy person or, like, the, like, big extrovert or kind of, like, big personality like that. But I think sometimes I have a more, like, calm and consistent... Uh, manner with students and like thinking through problems or just like over time kind of building that relationship with them Um, I think I sort of have a sense of humor too but it's not necessarily like I don't know how I would describe it yeah I think I do have a little bit of sense of humor Um, and I like one thing I just love is like also um getting having students kind of like encouraging them to just build the skills they need to be independent independent and like take pride in their work and feel it's a lot of this like self-esteem, like feeling good about yourself and like, Hey, hey, I can do this, you know? Um, And um, I think just getting them to like, do more things independently, like asking questions and like, you know, taking ownership or like deciding what they're going to do and, and, and um, how they're going to do it, like giving them some, um, like a piece of that, like they're a part of kind of building that, that culture in yeah. the community. I guess that's kind of like, it's like collaboration, but it's also accountability in a way. Yeah. Um, I definitely have like a high standard and I think I'm, I don't tolerate like, <laughs> you know, um, I have like a high expectation, but at the same time, I think I, I, I try to really work with, 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 students not just yeah. like not authoritarian but kind of work with them like yeah. okay what you know if this isn't working for you like what what's going on here right yeah like um <clears throat> and helping them understand okay that you know and verbalize you know you know i'm feeling like frustrated because whatever i'm feeling you know and then just kind of like try to work with them to come up with a um you know a plan for things or even just yeah. like kids just have all kinds of creative ideas too um so uh
0: when we first started talking gosh probably like a couple of years ago uh now uh we we uh, you know, we could talk more about the you know the story later on, but but one theme that came up a lot in our conversations was how we use data in general and, and oh, yeah. we use <laughs> in in schools and in particular. Um, how did have you always been like a somebody who's been interested in data? Yes. <laughs> okay. Say more.
1: yeah. I- I think like I originally wanted to study math, like applied math. Yeah. But I kind of, you know, started on that. That's kind of like what I thought I wanted to do actually for a couple of years mm. when I was in school. And so I kind of was like on that track, but then at a certain point I was like, this is not applied. Like there's yeah. no application here. And yeah. I feel like I wanted to kind of like use those skills or that way of thinking, but do it in a way of solving real world problems, like having kind of like a direct impact. And so, even though teaching, I guess seems very different from that. I think actually it kind of, wasn't right because yeah. you're like you have to see like on the big picture level and then on the individual level too. And I think especially working like primarily in special ed, um, you know, the data is important, right? Yeah. Um yeah. that's a lot of yeah. I
0: could see you I I I can so there's something I'm imagining, you tell me if I'm imagining it, it correctly. I could see like with this personality trait that you have where you were driven by challenge. I could and then you are also interested in data, I could see why that would be really interesting to you in education, because there's so much in education that is hard to measure. And, and I, I could see you being the type of person who'd be like, because it's hard to measure, it almost drives you on to try and approximate it somehow. Am I correct in thinking that that's your take on it?
1: I mean, maybe in some ways, I think like, I guess I think for me, it was also just like thinking about what, how do you make this meaningful? Like everyone's talking about like data, 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 but like, what are you actually doing? And like, how is this meaningful? And who is this meaningful for? Like, is it meaningful for you as an educator? Are you actually using this to improve your instruction? Is it meaningful for the students? Like, are they actually, um, you know, able to um, like understand um, in an age appropriate way, some of the you know, data or some kind of like, um, you know, their own like progress and growth. So I think um, I was looking at it like from that perspective. I think it was also just like reality, like a necessity, right? Like there's a yeah. lot of, um, there's a lot of pressure. And I think like, especially in special ed, there's like a legal <laughs> kind of like components to that too. And you know, IEP goals and like, I mean, that's just really important. Like you're sitting down with the family and the teacher and you're designing this plan. Like, I mean, you have to do a good job. If you have some like um goals in there that are just like totally unrealistic or just like really not relevant or, or meaningful, it's kind of like a waste, you know, and they're, I guess with the students, you know, that that age, like if they're like, you know, in third grade, like, that's their one chance for, for that year. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and just, so I think it was also just kind of like a lot of it was like necessity and I was like, okay, this has to be you know done well. And I have to learn how to kind of like do this in a, um, in like a, in a way that's actually like positive, you know, yeah. meet that need, but not just like to check the box, but to actually have it, have it work. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. So I know that, um, you are, uh, doing things in an applied way is important to you, but like in practical ways. Yeah. So I want you to imagine I'm a brand new teacher and, uh, okay. coming to you for advice. Uh, I need to use data, need to use it in a practical way. Um, what's like, how, what, what would you tell me to do?
1: Okay. I think it depends partly like what mood you come to me in, right? Okay. Because if you're coming to me Good and you're point. like, you know, a first year, second year teacher, and you're coming to me and you're like completely distraught and overwhelmed (laughs) and just like really stressed and, and just, you know, I I would tell you honestly, like just be gentle on yourself and don't try to take on too much because I feel like there's already like so much pressure and so much, um, expectation. And then internally you want that too. Right. Obviously you care, you know, about the students and like the work or I don't think like you can really be in teaching if you don't care about those things. Right. right? Yeah. So I I would tell you kind of like, um, just, you know, try to like, don't try to do everything. Yeah. Um, If you're just kind of starting out or you feel like you're starting from ground zero, you know, don't try to do everything. I think just like I would think like what is the biggest problem or pain point that you have, you know, like, do you really just need to understand like where the students are at a high level, you know? Um, And then I would say like, you know, or is it more of a specific thing like you have a general handle on things and it's more like, okay, I just don't know what to do with like, you know, this group of students or like this like kind of segment or, you know, it could even be like one or two specific um, students. And then I would try to like look at, okay, well, what can you do, you know, identify like the biggest need like that. And then what can you do to address it? So like, if you really don't know where students are, I think one thing is like, you know, you you can think about like, what is the, what are the assessments that you have to give? There's probably you know, a number. And then I think like a reality check of like how many of those are actually useful to you as a teacher or could be useful to you as a Mm -hmm. teacher. They're giving you information you can actually use to, you know, improve instruction and see progress and, you know, like look at that. Or otherwise I try to find something that you can implement that's if you identify what you're what, what you need to know, try to find some kind of assessment or something out there, other resources other people have used, um, even just like ask around too that you can just meet that need and just I'd say focus on that one thing, you know. Yeah. Um it might even just be like designing a system. Like if mm-hmm. you don't have any system or anything really, you know, you're starting from scratch. I think maybe it's like, okay, what kind of a system, like how are you going to physically or electronically like store this stuff how are you going to manage it so it's realistic and not overwhelming you know but you can get like value out of it
0: you you were saying um have a look at the assessments that you have to give that you're required to give and were Mm -hmm. you going there because because the idea is you have to give them anyway you might as well figure out how to get value out of them, given that like you're in your first year and you're trying to accomplish all of this stuff that feels overwhelming. Was that the basic idea?
1: I think that's it. And also because I think there's already so much testing, like kids are spending so much instructional time testing. It's stressful. It's not a positive experience. And it's like, I feel like there's a lot of waste there. Like, do you really need to give a three hour assessment to find out that, you know, someone it's not going to take you that long to figure out if someone's like reading on grade level. Right. I mean, you could do that in like, I don't know, 10 minutes, right. Five minutes, you can do a thorough assessment in like 10 minutes. Right. So I think, um, or 10 to 15, I guess depends on the age, but, Mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of more thinking like, okay, use what you all try to work with what you have, you know, um, and don't waste more time or don't try to, like, don't reinvent the wheel, you know? <clears throat> so, like, I mean, I could give, like, some specific examples, I guess.
0: I would love that. Yeah, I would love, like, what's yeah. your favorite, what's your favorite so, one? Like, what did you go to a lot as a teacher?
1: Yeah, so I'll talk about, like, okay, so I'll focus just on reading. Um, And I work mostly with elementary, like, third through fifth, but it had kids of like, from K, K through five. So I think for reading, like, um, in the school, you know, we use consistently like for the younger students, some type of like sight word assessment, phonics assessment could be hit or miss. So I would just say, you know, um, word assessment. And then, um, we use either, well, let's say a change over the years, but I would say like either like Fonda's and Bunnell or teachers college, some kind of like leveled reading assessment. Uh-huh. So basically the students, you know, read some type of like passage or short book, um, so part of it, they read out loud, you kind of measure their, you know, accuracy and fluency, and then part of it, they read on their own, and then they answer some questions, so you're kind of getting, like, the comprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say, like, the way I would use that is trying to, like, from the, so looking at that assessment, I'm like, okay, if the goal of this, it actually does meet the goal of, like, giving you a pretty comprehensive picture of where the student is in terms of reading you're already giving this assessment, what additional information, you know, the information, most of the information you need is there. And, um, so I would just think about kind of like using that or um, like for example, I would also, I got like a kind of short phonics screener that I really liked core phonics is actually is free. That's really good. Um, and so I would give that to basically, you know, any student who's kind of like at or below a certain level or, um, if I noticed that they maybe for their level had a lot of like um, miscues and errors um, I would give that because that kind of like would really break down exactly where are they struggling? Like, are there like, you know, certain valve patterns or whatever? Cause then that could help you design a specific, you know, like some specific instruction around that. Um, And I think the comprehension would give a pretty clear idea in terms of like I think the first thing is just, like, do they understand the main idea, you know, whether it's, like, fiction or nonfiction? Can they kind of synthesize, like, what was the main idea? What were some supporting details and have, like, a, co- you know, coherent um, conversation about that? And, and honestly, like, the grade level expectations are pretty high with, the, you know, common core and everything. So i kind of be looking at that and then, you know, into more, like, that's a good area to start with it. And then if there's, there's, like, more, um, you know, complex questions or kind of, like, higher level, i I'd look at those. And you can always tack on a few things. Like, for example, then, if you want to measure some kind of writing thing, especially if you're, like, trying to assess multiple students in a small group, like, okay, have them read it and then have them, you know, they can just, like, write, write a summary of it or something. That's something they could do in 15 minutes. That's, like, you know, giving you a writing assessment. And you're not having to, like, create a whole new thing from scratch or do some complex thing. And you're not really, like, wasting a lot of time. You're getting the information you need. So, on the flip side of that, I would say, like unhelpful assessments (laughs) that I've seen would be, um, okay, I mean, this depends on your role, but for me, I think a lot of times, like, the ESPA, that was, like, the state, you know, the standardized test, Mm -hmm. not helpful, like, not helpful. I mean, it's helpful in the ballpark to see, like, um, you know, the student's overall score, but otherwise, I feel like for my my specific role, like, very rarely or if ever did I glean, like, any more specific information from that that I would actually use to improve instruction. And so for that, I'm like, I'm not going to waste... My time, like I'm going to understand the big picture and, you know, do what I need to do, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste time, like delving into trying to analyze all the different areas there. If I know that really the student is, is they need some more foundational skills now what it might do is actually like go then and look at, okay, what's on this test, like in terms of grade level thinking, because maybe, maybe they're, you know, their reading or their writing skills aren't there, but maybe their thinking skills are, or maybe they're Mm -hmm. closer, you know, or they could get there or at least like work towards some of those skills. I kind of like try to take, you know, what are the kinds of questions that they're asking, like the things they need to know, and then try to like weave those in, even if they're maybe, you know, still working on some of those, some of those skills. If you were
0: going back to some of those other assessments that you were talking about, the ones that are closer to, the instruction. Um, Once you've gathered that data, either maybe if you're using a screener for like the whole class, or maybe you've just given it to, you know, to a few students, can you say more about how that data, like how you would change your instructional approach based on that? Is, is it about using it to form small groups or is there other like what are some of the other ways that you would use that
1: yeah i mean definitely like to you to form um small groups and like trying to think about groups that kind of make sense together in terms of like level or the kind of skills um i think beyond that i'd use it to kind of also look at like okay so maybe these students are on a similar level but within that what skills do they need to work on like do they need to kind of work on some like phonics or like word attack skills like you know if i'm seeing that okay like you know, four out of five of the kids in this group are are kind of, you know, they need some support on that. Then probably when I'm like planning a lesson, maybe instead of just like jumping into the book, maybe we do some kind of like every every time we meet, we do some um, even if it's just like five minutes of like targeted practice on that skill, you know, and just try to like weave that into what we're what we're doing. Um, so I think that's it. Or like from the comprehension part, I also kind of look at okay, what kind of questions are they struggling on? Like for example. The last school I worked in, we did, like, a really big, like, push on this stuff and um, really just trying to, like, raise the bar in terms of, like, how we were, like, leveling students so it's more in line with Common Core standards. Um because some of these tests are like sort of, it could be a little ambiguous, but like actually really what they need is like a very high level for, even just for like retail and stuff. And so then, and there's, you know, other kinds of um, areas too, like making infer- inferences for, um like, even just like, um, what is it? Like citing evidence from this hacks. That's like a mm-hmm. huge skill. And if I think about that, I'm like, that's actually kind of a life skill, right? So, yep. um, you know, I just kind of look for patterns like that, either patterns or I look for just like really core, like the top like one to three skills I know that they need in that grade level or to be successful in middle school or just like these things make sense like in life and just try to, you know, like focus on those. Right. Um, and so like ask, you know, whatever we're working on, kind of like do a little teaching point on that or like weave in questions, Um so that they're getting like continual, you know, practice with that and like gaining confidence with it. I think also for the assessment, the other thing I do is is use it as a, it's kind of like a benchmark because you need to return to that. So like, for example, those, those reading assessments usually probably do like three times a year, maybe four if the kids are younger, but, um, you know, um, three times a year um, usually. And so, you know, I'd be looking at that to see, okay, this was kind of like the baseline we started with. Um, when we come back, like mid year, did they make kind of an expected amount of progress? Have they made progress on the skills that we were working on? You know, and then like what's next? Like, let's say they got it. Okay, well, what's what that would kind of tell me then? Like, what's the next area? Do I need to reshuffle these groups? If they didn't really get it, then I'd, I'd kind of be looking at, okay, what was the issue here? Like, is this a, an issue? Are they like not retaining it? Are they not? Is it like a study skills thing? Is it just, there's, you know, a lot of other stuff going on in their life maybe, and they're just um like that might be a factor is it you know what what is or like also just kind of looking at okay i mean you kind of have to look and see like okay if this whole group didn't make progress you need to revise your instruction and like try some new strategies right because it you know it didn't really um work in that case um so i i say those are some things i i'd look at um
0: yeah i want to turn now to uh resources uh when we were talking for as research for my book um I wanted to know more about the types of resources that teachers uh like and um I'll never forget I asked you (laughs) about a book and you were like oh wait 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 and you like because we were on a zoom call you like left (laughs) the camera And then came back and we came back with like this book. Like, you immediately knew this is the one that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, can you share with the listeners what that book was and why it is that you pick that one to talk about?
1: Okay, so it's number talks. Number talks, there are actually like a few books that this, I think it's like the same author or groups of authors has, but number talks helping children build mental math and computation strategies, um, grades K through five. So, um, Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's like mental math strategies and kind of like developing their deeper understanding of number sense. Um, Okay, so why I really like this book, right, in terms of like the kind of resources I think teachers need, this isn't like a whole math curriculum. That's not what it's supposed to be. But it's basically like building um, fluency and creative thinking and kind of like real life math skills. Um, in little chunks. And so they're like a bunch of different, um, you know, they could be small kind of activities and they can um, build around that using like mental math strategies. Um, and yeah, it's it can be done as like a small group or like a whole class activity. But um, why I really like this specifically is I think it's something that you can do in small chunks that's effective and, um, like really easy to start with from like a planning perspective and like experimentation. Um, and I think there's just like a lot of really fun stuff you can do with it too. That's like enjoyable for kids and like skills that actually help them. And I see their skills are missing and they're not really getting that through the curriculum.
0: I, there was something that you told me about the book that, um, that really struck me and I thought it was important. So important that I actually included it in the chapter that, uh, you know, that uh, features your story. Uh, I'm going to read what you said. You said, this is about the book. Now it's fun because I feel like I can just flip through it. It's simple, but powerful. There's not a lot of overhead to try something yeah. like this. And that was the phrase that stuck to me, this idea of overhead. Yeah. I've never, <clears throat> I never, I intuitively kind of knew what you meant, but I have never hmm. heard anybody use, that term like what do you mean by overhead there
1: oh that's really interesting okay so i mean i think like planning is very um time and energy consuming as a teacher sometimes people don't realize that but it is now this might depend somewhat on your role too right like if you have a curriculum but especially special ed there's no curriculum Yeah. (laughs) yeah no you know i mean and you're, you're trying to like straddle like all the grades and all the subjects. Um, yeah. So it's, 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 it's a lot. Um, so what I mean by overhead is a lot of times I find like, okay, if you're teaching, especially like a small group, sometimes you're doing like really <laughs> intensive planning for a short amount of time. So for example, like if I was going to try, I remember this like kind of like guided reading, um, you know, um, kind of like strategy. I'd gone to this like amazing training. It was great. And kind of like, they've even given us like a lot of resources in terms of planning and stuff. And so I want to use this, but for me to implement that, I had to put a lot of work in. Now, like the first couple of lessons I planned, even though I'd done like, it wasn't like the whole topic was new to me, but it probably took me like an hour or two just to kind of like plan that and really understand and like think through. And then, you know, it became like less so over time where I could kind of reuse certain things. But that initial hump is like a lot. It's investing like a lot of time and energy that, you know, I mean, you only there's only like 24 hours in a day and um I think it it it's just a lot sometimes And a sense you may say oh this sounds so good and then you try it and it's kind of like oh this doesn't really work yeah. you know yeah. I mean maybe you need to like just practice but sometimes it just it it may be like a good like strategy or whatever for somebody, but it's not working for you and your students or for your setup that you have, you know, Um, if you only have like so much time, I think, and like whatever other requirements or, or needs you might have. So what I like about this is, That is what I would say is like overhead, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I don't need to like create a whole bunch of like instructional material. I don't need to create a whole bunch of stuff. I don't need to like make a chart. I don't need to make a bunch of papers. I don't need to, you know, prepare. Like, I don't need to spend hours preparing this. Like, it could be something as simple as, um, I'm trying to think if there's like a good example. Okay, one good one in there is like adding, um, it's like mental math for adding like up to 20. So say it's like, you know, if you have something like, like nine plus six, the idea is you can kind of like make a 10, right? You split six up into five and one. Nine and one is 10, 10 is 15. So this is something where I was like, oh my God, like we really need this. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you yeah. know,
1: if we're in like fourth or fifth grade and you're still <laughs> counting yeah. on your fingers, I mean, you know, kids are like embarrassed, right? Yeah, or they yeah. make mistakes And if they understand the concept. And they're just like, they're using all their energy trying to do that instead of just like, they don't have like effective strategies. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it wasn't taught to them. You know, there was like a shift in the math curriculum it's taught now. Maybe it was and they just kind of, you know, missed the boat on it the first time or it didn't yeah. stick. And so this book has like a lot of strategies like that. So it's like, you know, you can basically just like all you, you need to do is know okay i'm going to teach this like nine plus six like that's you know and you know you can see kind of like the they give you kind of like a progression of different exercises you could do like in that vein they get harder right so i kind of pick out like okay this is like a couple easier ones and harder ones you just write on the board and then you basically are kind of looking for like what are different ways we could solve this problem and you you know you can't write anything down Um, or they can, so they have to kind of like verbalize through it and how they think through it. And it's kind of like different students might have different ways of thinking through it. And you can kind of like highlight these different ideas. So there's like multiple entry points into it. So I I think like from a, um, you know, I was kind of like, um, it's easy to try something like that. Um, right. And like, book Mm -hmm. is full of things like that for all different kinds of skills and Mm -hmm. um you know grade levels and so i kind of just pulled out a couple like i pulled out some from like kindergarten that's like stupidizing numbers that's like looking at you know if you have like i don't know five dots like you just kind of can recognize as five right you know and then up to like fractions with like fourth and fifth grade i have a lot of fractions are hard right Mm -hmm. and kids don't really it's a lot of times like it takes a while for them to really understand like what is a whole or what is Mm -hmm. a fraction of something and like in a way that's relevant and so i think um, using a lot of the strategies, and here I felt like, okay, this is something I could kind of easily turn to. This I don't need. I might spend like five or ten minutes planning that, and then I feel like I could try it and see how it goes, and get some like data back from the you know feedback from the students. I'm like, okay, like did they enjoy this or not? Um, did I feel like I did a good job teaching this or is it something like, um, you know, I need to kind of like work on a little more intentionally and then like, did they kind of get it, you know? And so I felt like it was um, really easy to just try. It didn't require a lot of materials, didn't Mm -hmm. require a lot of planning, but yet it was actually a skill that like you really need. You know, I mean, this kind of like mental math stuff this stuff. Like if I think about just using math in daily life, like if you go to the store and you're buying things, like how much, how many do I need to buy or, okay, this is kind of like my budget. How, you know, what items can I get and kind of like stay within that, um, within that range. So I think those, I like the fact that it's focusing on those skills. And, you know, I think some of the math problems now, it's like, there are just, it's all word problems and there's so many words in there. And, even from like second grade, it's, it's important. I'm not saying, you know, it's not important. It's important, but it's also just like sometimes it's overwhelming. Right. And um, I think this is a good way to really like get at some of those deeper skills and like really have the kids like thinking, but you're sort of like stripping that other your stuff
0: away. Um, yeah. You know. It was a really important lesson for me as somebody who was trying to trying to write a book that was about making data practical for mm-hmm. folks in the classroom because all of what you just said applies to like the instructional choices that you, you know, that you make for yeah. you know for mm-hmm. students. And at the same time, I think it's a little glimpse to folks like me who supported a classroom but not actually worked all day in one. Um, because it helped me realize, oh, these are the types of resources that appeal to teachers, right? Like it's, you know, we want, sometimes I feel I'm talking now, like kind of zooming out and talking about systems in general, but it's like, you know, sometimes administrators like me or folks who work, you know, at like in a county system or something might look at school staff and be like, oh, we have to, you know, we, we have to encourage like an experimental and innovative kind of you know, mood mm. to the things that we try, mm-hmm. which is not wrong, but I think what could be missing there is like, well, okay, then we gotta, then we have to create a situation that actually fosters that in the way that this book does. Right. And I think mm. it does yeah. it in a way, like the way you were describing is it's sort of like, it creates yeah. a situation that makes it so safe from not only a, like a experimental point of view, but also like a time point of view to just try it, yeah. like, just yeah. try it. It's like, it's not going to take yeah. that long, you know? And And if it's not going to work, kind of what I'm gathering from your story is you'll know pretty quick.
1: Yeah, and that's okay.
0: something else, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things like right away when I saw kind of like you sent me sort of like a draft of some things, some ideas. I was like, oh my God, th- this is so good. Like this is the book we actually need <laughs> because teachers do not have like two hours to sit down and read that whole book. They don't, yeah. you know? And I mean, this was something where like there was a lot, I could see like, okay, there's a lot of value here. There's a lot of like thought and things you could think about it, but it's indigestible pieces. So you could literally like spend 10 or 15 minutes reading that and get something that's kind of like like thought provoking or valuable that you can actually use, you know? And I think, yeah, like sometimes there is kind of that disconnect because I think maybe teaching is like different from a lot of other, um, kind of like professions, especially like where you need a college or master's Mm -hmm. degree in that regard. I think where you don't have big blocks of time to just like sit down and think and plan. So, I mean, I guess you do like after school, but you know, it's, 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 that's not like what you're doing you're not like in an office doing that like for a big chunk of your day you know right. you're like on the go 24 7 like you don't even you can't even like go to the bathroom I mean yeah. you know so it just kind of I feel like that's something like it's needed and it's used right mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah
0: well gosh I mean thank you for saying that and also it's inspired a lot by your story and other teacher stories who like, yeah. it's basically, there were a lot of stories like that. that were like, Hey, listen, mm-hmm. this, you know, if if, if this is going to help people, this book's got to be a certain way. And so yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, okay. We're coming towards the end of our time here, but I don't want to end before I give you a chance to talk about like your new career adventure, because like halfway through our sort of our uh, ongoing conversation together, like, yeah, you had, you had a couple of fun things come up and I wanted to see if you wanted to share with the listeners what's next for you.
1: Yeah. So I actually, um, probably about a year ago, like left, I guess, education, at least for, I don't know, for this like phase. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually going back to like all that math stuff. So I got into data science. Uh, (laughs) Yep. So I'm now a data scientist. It's funny, (laughs) Amazing. but that's the truth. Um, yeah. So like, I, I think going all the way back, that was Ryan, how I got in touch with you because I guess like the end of 2019, I kind of found out about all this like data science, data analytics, like that Mm -hmm. whole world. And I was just like, um, you know, I, I guess at that point I've been teaching for probably like 11 years, something like that. And, um, you know, I really love teaching. Like I did it because I wanted to do it. And I feel like that's like a great phase of my life, but I don't know I got into like all this data stuff and I kind of just felt like in a way I was like um I feel like this is like what I'm meant to do in a different Mm -hmm. kind of way I feel like I was meant to be a teacher in like in this like one like phase of my life kind of I don't know but but in a certain way I was like oh this is kind of like who I am I feel like this is what I was looking for never like you know found originally and I don't know I just started kind of like exploring that learning about it and I just got like really um sucked into it i guess mm-hmm. and i i realized like within a couple of months like i was like i think i want to like change careers you know mm-hmm. um and i think in terms of teaching you know i really i really love like working with the students and i love like the continual challenge and learning and stuff mm-hmm. but i think i also kind of at a certain point felt like you know i knew i didn't want to go into administration mm-hmm. um i like I might've been interested in doing some kind of like a coaching or like mentoring thing for new teachers where you still kind of have that like connection to the classroom um, or potentially something with like, like um, school data, like more for, um, you know, M- sort of like MTSS. I don't know if you guys call it that or systems, yeah. you know, basically like different like support systems. That was something I did a lot in my school that I really love like getting like deep into that. Um And, like, doing a lot of work on that. But I guess I I wasn't really seeing, like, a lot of opportunities to do those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. Or at least not kind of, like, in the way that I would want, you know. Um, Like, I remember I ran into this um, teacher at, like, a graduation party who... Um, you know, she had become a coach and she was like, you know, she did it for like a year or two. And she said, you know, it's crazy. I was working with like over 20 schools, 20 schools, not even 20 teachers, 20 schools. You think about How many teachers are you in all those schools?
0: Yes. And I was
1: just like, oh my God, that that's not it. Like, you know, so I think I kind of was also, I felt like, you know, I could keep teaching. I can get like incrementally better. Like, yes, I will enjoy the students, but mm. I think I kind of felt like I'd done what I could do in terms of like, I wanted to broaden my impact, but I wasn't really seeing those kinds of opportunities I felt like I wanted to pursue or that were going to be like, like a good fit for for me, you know? Um, and I got really into this data stuff. So then that's kind of like, you know, let me like, let me just try it, you know, let me try it and um, just see how it is. See if I can like maybe do something that's like data and education. So that's kind of how I found you because I was looking for like an intersection of that. And mm-hmm. interestingly, I had a really hard time like finding things like I've since learned there's more there, but anyways, i lot to say, I like, um, Yeah, I did some work with like um, a small company I did kind of like a, you know, I'm like in a master's program now. Yeah. And I like left teaching and I've now been in like a data science job since like last, last summer. So I guess about like almost eight months. Yeah. No, is that right? Since like July of last year. So yeah. yeah. So I'm not working in education right now. It's a totally different field. And so that's been really interesting, just like in terms of like what is this whole world over here about? It's not the public right. sector, right? Yeah. What like how does this operate? You know, what are do I like this or like not? Or um um, so it's that's been like really interesting, I would say.
0: I can't wait to hear. Uh, More about how, because I have no doubt that who you are as a teacher will make you a very special data scientist Mm. because there's just, uh, you know, it just strikes me as being like, those are the the kind of the human qualities, the interest in helping other people learn, meeting them where they're at. Like, I think those are really, I think the combination of that with with the field of data science and analytics is, is, uh, is, would be interesting to hear about. And so, uh, yeah, yeah that's something that we'll have to talk, you know, kind of unpack. Um, okay. I want to end with a, uh, a question that I've been using to, uh, to wrap these episodes up. Um, I'm very, as you know, I'm very interested in, uh, in creativity as you are, and, uh, mm, yeah. and that fits into education. And, uh, as I started asking this question that I would like to, uh, close the episode by asking you, which is, can you think of a hobby that you uh, do outside of work, whether it's your education job or your new data, data science job, but that eventually uh, you found some way to bring it into work? And if not, then I would just love to hear about the hobby. Oh,
1: okay. I think I will have to say um, hiking, hiking so like I live in an area where there's I've always loved outdoors like since I was a little kid I've loved outdoors playing outdoors being in nature just like you know all of it um and yeah I would say hiking like I um really got into hiking like about maybe five years ago and I live in the northwest so there's like tons of amazing hiking like you know within you know as like a day trip that you can do or even just like very locally too and so I think the way that that helps me in education, or just in general, I would say it's a few things. Like first of all, I think just being in nature, and also like being in a different environment, being disconnected from technology, um, and also like doing physical physical movement is very. It's very therapeutic and it's very like refreshing. It's just like mentally refreshing, physically refreshing. Like I say, <laughs> I don't like like spas and stuff, but I just feel like I like have like gone to a spa or something. Yeah. I like come back from a day, like, you know, out hiking somewhere because I feel like I'm just like in a totally different headspace than whatever's going on. And mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, there's, I know there's some like research actually into now, like how these being in nature and also like the effect of like plants on your immune system. And and yeah. so that's like, there's tons of, of um, impact there. It's good for your mental health. And then I think also like, yeah, it's kind of, it's like a challenge, but it's like you, you get there by going just one step at a time yeah. and you kind of enjoy, enjoy the journey on the way, like seeing different things and just you know, you, you're very like present in the moment, I think I feel because it's like a physical challenge, but also there, there are no distractions. You kind of like notice things in the trees or like, you know, whatever, just the view. And, um, you know, I think like it's teaching is like very fast paced and you're like making all these like micro decisions constantly. And so it's just like a very different, um, counterbalance to that, that I think is really good for like mental health. You know, I say also, I did a lot of hiking. Well, not so much since covid but like um, with like a hiking group. And I think that was super cool just because it attracted a really like wide range of people. So people, of, you know, all different ages, different kinds of like backgrounds and life experiences and things they've done. And so that is just like really interesting to kind of like connect with people who maybe like, I you know, I wouldn't necessarily... Um, have as much extended interaction with in daily life and just kind of like hear their stories or, you know, hear their per- perspective. Right. Or sometimes like it's, you know, it's just like, it's, it's really interesting and fascinating. Um, and sometimes it's also just kind of like builds empathy kind of, you know, you, you learn about something where it's, you can kind of like feel their experience or their, their emotion in a way, even if it's different than what you've lived or, you know, people who have like differences in opinion from you sometimes too, it can be interesting to kind of understand, oh, okay, well, like, why do you, you know, um, believe that and kind of like understand their, um, point of view and perspective, I think. Um, so I think those things are, are good just to, it's like, a you know, building empathy, just like calming and like cleansing, cleansing, refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good for your sleep. And yeah. just like, I feel like that helps me just be like, you know, fresh and like rejuvenated in, in the classroom and not feel burnt out. And I think for students, you know, I understand also like, it's like being outside and moving does make you feel good. Like that's yeah. like a human thing. So like, letting kids like go outside and run around, right. It's important. We need to do that. Or even just like trying to sometimes like incorporate physical movement into um, stuff that you're doing can be fun. Even if it's just like standing up and like writing on a huge whiteboard. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really great. And I think it's right on and as much a lesson for, uh, you know, for what, us grown-ups need as much as it is yeah. for what the kids need. So I, yeah. I appreciate that a lot. Well, I think this is a good place to end, Megan, I want to thank you for uh, coming on and doing this with me and sharing all your wisdom. I love the that I am not, as you know, I am not a uh, teacher and so it's such a treat for me to hear like the actual like tactical like the moves, you know, like yeah. what, what, what what it takes to get this uh, done. In the classroom, in general, but with with data in particular. So, thank you so much, and uh, I hope that you have a great rest of the week.
1: Yeah, thank you, Ryan. You too. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, all right. I look forward to like listening to some more episodes too, oh, and I seeing can't wait what, to what hear other people you. have to say. Yeah,
0: I can't wait to hear what you think. <laughs> yeah. All right, Megan, we'll uh, we'll talk soon again. All right.
1: All right. All right. Good. Take care. Bye bye. All right. You too.